0: That's a place of peace, right? And understand, like I said in the beginning, I could have continued to blame my mommy and daddy for the dysfunction. But the, the dysfunction in our home was because of their dysfunction growing up. Their environment is being passed down. And so stop casting the blame on the outside. Let's look take a look on the inside. Once we start to look on the on the inside more and start to take accountability for our own thoughts and actions, because I realized like, oh shoot, I'm actually the creator of my own suffering.
1: I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological, the podcast that curates East Asian medicine and methods through the power of conversation. I've got a patient. She's in her 90s. She's got the gravity of those years, too. Not in that she's feeble, but more in the broken down way that that kind of mileage inevitably brings. Recently, she was at church, and the call went out that she was in need of prayers. Prayers because she was ill. Now, this didn't sit well with her, and it didn't sit well because she doesn't see herself as ill. She stood up, and she spoke for herself, and she said, thank you, but I don't need prayers. I've got some ailments for sure, but ill? I'm not ill. I've got ailments. Can you catch that? Sure enough, at 90 plus, she's got some ailments. That is to be expected, and respected." But no, 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 she's not ill. You know what I call that? I call that jung chi. I call it that part of us that cannot be made ill. Even at 90 plus, with the high mileage of a life thoroughly lived, no, I'm not ill. But I do have some ailments. Like the scars of where trees are hit by lightning. The way certain metals lose their shine (laughs) and gain the luster of a patina. The way your voice over the years slows and loses the urgency of youth. And the way your face settles into the contours of the emotions that don't go all the way through you, but settle into the muscles and fascia through the routine of habit and cultivated attitude. Aging, for sure, will bring ailments. They might kill you too, but that's not the same as illness. And then I've seen the other kind of folk as well. They have their troubles, but they don't weather the storms quite so well. Their afflictions are an unending meditation on frustration, blame, resentment, and constant pinning of their feelings and travails on the action or inaction of others. Their suffering doesn't break their heart open. It breaks it tighter and tighter shut. They can't get out of their own skin. They can't hear or feel the sustainability of the Jung. Those with ailments live with grace. Those with afflictions, they live with torment. One will open you to your Jung, the other sails you the great circle path ever further and further from it. I heard a pretty smart guy once say that if you're depressed, then the best thing to do is go out and try to make the world better for someone else. It takes the focus off yourself, and in the process, you might actually be helpful to someone else and dose your life up with some worthwhile meaning at the same time. It's not a bad idea, especially because the aim is not happiness, but rather meaning. In this conversation with Chris Shelton, we hear about how some big enough to kill you troubles to the door to helping others and connecting with their jung through qigong. We'll get into that in a moment. Stay with me. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast.
2: Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Ponsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit meiwei.com. This season and every season, trust meiwei Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine.
1: I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to janeapp switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code GEOGICAL at the time of sign up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AcuFast Earth-Friendly needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of this solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash Geological to learn how. us welcome to shop talk in this portion of the podcast we are bringing you roughly 15 minutes of practical clinical methods perspectives and advice that has its work boots on this section is all about practical material that you can begin to investigate the next time that you walk into clinic additionally visit the show notes page for supporting materials from this week's guest on Shop Talk. All right, roll up
3: your sleeves.
1: Let's get to work.
3: Thank you, Michael, for giving me this opportunity to talk about palpation for this Shop Talk presentation. The French osteopath Jean-Pierre Barral says only the tissues know shudo sensei says that the foundation of our skill in assessment and treatment is palpation acupuncture is truly and primarily a manual medicine our ability to sense with our hands deepens and roots whatever theory we may have in the actual physical body of the person. My goal here is to use as an exemplar the Yuan source point kidney three to enhance and differentiate and improve palpation skills for this primordial and key Yuan source point. My own approaches to palpation have derived from studying various Japanese body work systems, from Meridian therapies approach, from Toyohari, also from the channel palpation work of Dr. Wang Juyi, who I studied with in 1982. Combined with all of that, for the past 10 years, I've been using the osteopathic approaches of visceral manipulation. And this is a they all fit well together. Our medicine fits very well with osteopathic approaches. Now, I think the Western approaches have uh, been too reductionistic. And we actually see this even among our, some of our own skilled practitioners, where there is a primary emphasis on trigger points, on motor end points, on e I think these are fabulous, very powerful, useful for specific myofascial neuro functions. But the totality of chi, of chi regulation, is missed in this way. Now, Wang Juyi says that channels are the pathways for the interaction of nerves, vascular, and lymphatic systems. So when you think of actually palpating at kidney three, what are you feeling for? Where are you feeling? I believe that the contemporary descriptions of Finding kidney 3 in TCM with a relatively heavy gauge needle and vigorous lifting and thrusting to generate a da response is included with the advice to be careful to avoid the artery. Now, the arteries are the driver of source points, and all of the yin channel source points are over a major artery. Lung 9 is our primary diagnostic uh, artery area to feel the potency of all of the channels and of the general qi status overall. And when we think of what points are, again, Wang Ji says, the points are like busy markets, so many transactions going on between nerves, blood vessels, lymph, and other molecules and structures that are in the extracellular matrix that define health and vitality. One metaphor that might be useful is to think of a source point, in this case, Tai Chi, kidney three, as being like a musical ensemble. So when we palpate, uh, what are the findings? We really want to palpate the quality of the posterior tibial artery. That's the the source structure for source points. And is it puffy? Does it have good palpation? Can you feel its edges? Uh, And we know from Nanjing69 that yin tends towards deficiency. And Very few of us ever see kidney excess. Generally, the kidney as a primordial source point that integrates us to prenatal and postnatal engagements of Jing vitality is often the deficiency of kidney three is palpated by the quality and tone of that posterior tibial artery. So, thinking again of this musical ensemble, the main stringed instruments might be the artery, but what about the woodwinds? What about the conductor? So that we can differentiate the bundle of chi transmission that is held within the bundled artery, nerve, and lymphatic vessels, veins as well, so that once we palpate the quality of the artery then bundled right next to it and behind it is the posterior tibial nerve and this can be palpated for how hard and tense does it give a neural response is there a blockage in the nerve transmission through this key source point when it comes to the fluids qi blood and fluids fluids are rather easy to assess in that uh, medial malleolus area. It's cold, it's damp, it's swollen, and easy to feel. So these are the three things that we want to be able to have more nuanced palpatory skill with. Now, unlike the TCM needle approach to tonify the artery, Uh, Some of the Japanese techniques with their very fine, delicate needle and a gentle insertion, you can get to the outer layer, the muscular outer layer of the artery, the intima adventitia, this web of connective tissue wrapping the outer layer of the muscle. And as the delicate insertion of the needle reaches that layer, you can feel and you can see the actual pulsation of the shaft of the needle by the artery. This is the primary tonification technique to wake up the muscular wrapping, the muscular chi of the artery to allow for a stronger flow. So that is how the first level of treating a yin deficiency in the kidney 3 artery is to get a good sense of the needle waking up and sparking the the potency of that artery. Next, we want to assess the quality and tone of its partner, the posterior tibial nerve. So this is a very different palpatory experience. When you feel the kidney three artery, it's often soft, doesn't have a lot of tone. You may be able to feel its edges and boundaries. When you come over that artery immediately, and maybe you'll hook it with the nail of your middle finger, or index finger, the nerve is like a fishing line, a thread. And it, it's it's small and discrete in a way which is very different than the artery. So we can feel the degree of tension and fixation in that artery. The artery has to be able to glide as joint movements extend and contract. So that is the posterior tibial nerve when you have your fingers on it, are you able to have a sense of movement medially and laterally? And the treatment of that Uh, In the osteopathic uh, initial uh, approach, which is very similar to the Japanese, and particularly in so-time movement therapy, go with the ease. So is there more medial movement? Let's encourage that and see if we can get the artery, the, the nerve, to have a greater lateral medial range of motion and get it to soften and be a little more pliable. Then, compressing gently on the nerve, and by the way, nerves and arteries really dislike direct hard compression. They both, in their essential chi dynamic, discharge distally towards the end. So when we get on that nerve and you Compress it a couple of times, not so different than when someone's taking blood, how they'll want to wake up the, uh, the vein to have a little more tone and you compress, stay connected as you release and often a positive response will be a sensation of discharge distally you're not moving your finger but you can feel uh, a movement down in a way so this is how we would support opening and the free flow of nerve qi through the kidney three source points when it comes to fluids as i said they're pretty easy to uh to see the area is often cold swollen maybe damp and here Um, in terms of the therapeutic response, I would like to say we can use moxa. And in this case, the TCM style of moxa would be very appropriate, pole moxa, where you're not directly on the skin, you're warming the area for improved flow. Or if you are a Japanese-style practitioner, you might do heat-sensing netsu approach, or we can even use gentle stroking because the lymphatic vessels are one cell they're very open they don't either respond to strong pressure and here the uh, among the various japanese Taishin tools the, uh, the chokushin or you can use a uh, a guasha with a very light proximal stroking to move the fluids out of the gravity collecting area around the ankle, so move it up into the calf and above the knee re- region. And here we can also use range of motion, so time movements and flexion and extension to have the muscles push those fluids more distally. and. Uh, there are, for all of these, associated points that are useful to add to the overall enhancement of qi flow through the source point. So, for fluid accumulation, I particularly like Wang Juyi's combination of the Hesi points, Lung Five and Spleen Nine, to move the fluids, particularly up past the knee, so they can be go back to the core of the body. For the blood tonification of the artery, we could use spleen six and liver nine over the saphenous vein and and artery on the the inner distal thigh. For the nerves, enhancing uh, the nerve chi flow, we could use liver three and gallbladder 34. In addition, you might use other core uh, back shoe points used for such points and also abdominal points like uh, uh, Ren 4 for the blood, Ren 7 for the chi. We have many different supportive uh, possibilities. So these are the ways that I suggest that you can have a more refined and differentiated palpatory assessment and reading of what is really needing support and balance in this critical Yuan source point. So I hope you find this interesting. If you're interested more in uh, the fusion of osteopathic technique with our traditional East Asian medicine, one, look to the um, work of Dan Bensky and Chip Chase with Engaging Vitality. And you can go to, uh, in the shop notes, my partner and I, Mark Petruzzi, are doing a Chi Blood and Fluids seminar in Honolulu, August 11th, 12th, and 13th, where we really go into great depth with building these skill sets to differentiate the totality of qi involving the reciprocal dynamic interrelations of nerves, blood vessels, and lymph that represent within the body the totality of a qi status. So thank you very much and look forward to hearing from you. I can be reached at Dan at gmail.com.
1: Chris Shelton, welcome to Geological.
0: Hi, thank you for having me.
1: Happy to have you here. Your uh, PR department reached out to uh, us here at Geological International and said, uh, hey, you should interview my husband. And of course, my first thought is, who the hell are you and why would I interview your husband? And she says, he's got a really good backstory. I'm a sucker for backstories. I'm just a sucker for, and always so interested. Like, where do people come from? And how do they wind up in the crazy place that they're in, somewhere in the Chinese medicine world? You know, I mean, kids these days might hear about acupuncturists in high school, but I don't think we did. No. So, your gig is Qigong. How'd you get there? What happened?
0: Well, you know, it's funny about my massive uh, PR department that consists of one person.
1: That's all it takes. You you just need one really good person.
0: Yeah. So uh, thank you for being interested in learning the backstory. So do you want to hear where I started, how I got involved with Qigong and Chinese medicine?
1: I always love to know that because it's, I mean, for those of us in the trade, it's not unusual. But, you know, for most people in uh, the Western world, it's a little bit unusual.
0: Yeah. So I've always been interested in medicine. My mom was a nurse and um, I would uh, read her nursing journals in fifth and sixth grade when other kids were writing book reports on uh, the American Indians. I was writing book reports on blood plasmas and hematomas and stuff like that.
1: Wait a minute. How how old were you when you're reading these?
0: Oh, gosh. Uh, I would say at uh, 10, 11, I started probably uh, age nine, probably even earlier than that, I got interested. So I've been, always been interested in science and how the body functions to some level. I just never thought that this would become my life's purpose, you know? So the backstory is, is that I grew up in, though in an abusive home. Uh, there's a lot of neglect, a lot of dysfunction, fighting, Didn't get punched all the time, but every once in a while, just, you know, if I missed a tackle playing football, for example, I get punched in the face when I came home. I started doing drugs at a very young age, age 12, started doing speedballs, which is heroin and coke for people that don't know what that is.
1: That is young, 12 years old. And, And so part of you is reading medical journals of your mom and the other part of you is getting fucked up on drugs.
0: Well, you know, what better way to hide the pain, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, when you have this the suffering like that, you know, I didn't realize at the time, obviously, um, I wasn't shooting it, um, I was snorting it, my parents had gotten, finally, thank God, had gotten a divorce at age 11, about, and uh, my second cousin moved in, and he was a biker, and uh, so I had access, all my friends, you know, were um, in their 20s and early 30s, you know, very few friends, were my own age. But I was always very motivated. You know, my older half-brother was always in trouble with the law. You know, you go to Juvie, they send him to the boys' ranch, he'd escape, they send him to CYA. So I always uh, learned from him how to stay just one step ahead of the law.
1: You got some mad skills as a young man.
0: Yeah, you know, you have to learn how to survive. And in fact, uh, you know, Fast forward, I'll come back to the story, but fast forward, you know, uh, you know, we're friends with Mike Kroger from the rock roll band Nickelback, and uh, pre-pandemic, uh, we had about, I don't know, 20 of us had flown to Vegas for the, uh, to see their show at the Hard Rock Cafe, and uh, one of the guys that we know had flown in, and uh, so we were talking, and he said, uh, he said, oh, so you're like a feminine type. And I said, well, I, I guess you could say that. I said, you know, I had to learn how to sew at a young age because we were kinda poor and you know, if I had holes in my jeans or my flannel shirt, you know, I had to sew it myself. I had stuffed animals, but if I wanted any more I had to sew them myself. And oh yeah, I had to learn how to cook because if I didn't learn how to cook and and taking care of my younger brother because my parents were unavailable Then I was eating hot dogs and macaroni and cheese all the time, you know, and yes, I did have to learn how to do laundry and clean up after myself. So I said, I guess you could say that's a feminine typology, you know, but uh, I will not hesitate to punch you in the face at any time either. So, so anyway.
1: So, so we're talking a mix of yin and yang here and and really, you know, I mean, you say feminine type, that's such a tricky phrase these days, right? You get in big trouble just for saying woman, but. I think what you're talking about here, Chris, you learned that you had to be pretty damn rough and tough, but you also had to learn something about nurturance because it was not around and was up to you to take care of yourself, take care of your brother, make sure you guys were fed in and clothed and somewhat cared for. So that was there
0: too. Yeah. And it's not like we didn't have... Uh, nobody around, or uh, we're just locked out of the house. So we came in, you got beat if you came in the house, you know. So uh, my younger brother actually didn't see that part of my parents, especially my mom, didn't see that part. It was the older half-brother and myself that got the front end to the end of that. And uh, so anyways, I, uh, you know, fast forward in, in high school, I was still very motivated. I started becoming a butcher at age 15 and a half. I was doing my EP studies in art. And... Um, I uh, go to school, started my sophomore year, I go to school part-time, and then the uh, bus come pick me and some other students up. We go to an adult educational school where I then got my Class A state brake license, from my, my license for overhauling engines, all that kind of stuff. So I figured, okay, well, if I don't make it as a butcher, I'll be an artist. So if I don't make it as an artist, then I'll be a mechanic. Fast forward my senior year of high school.
1: Wait a minute. So you're in high school, you've set out three possible career paths so that you You got a way to make it in the world. They're all different trades.
0: Yeah, yeah. Healing was not even on my radar. Uh, Like I said, I I enjoyed science and medicine, you know, from reading those uh, nursing journals and stuff. but, um, But it wasn't on my radar. But yeah, because, you know, when you learn that you have to take care of yourself primarily, it's either fight or die. Right, it's I guess that's a choice, or continue to blame mommy and daddy for you know for your plight because that's what most of us do, right? We we blame our parents for where we are in our life, or we blame society, you know. Instead of taking the look inward, we search outside. So, yeah, I'd set myself up for three different career paths. Um, I ended up becoming a butcher. I was a butcher for 21 years, a meat manager, in the process. And uh, so when we talk about the fascia. You know, I know what the fascia smells like, tastes like. <laughs> I know what it looks like when there's disease, cancer in there, you know, like, because, you know, back when I started, you know, we got hanging sides of beef in, and the gentleman that I did my apprenticeship under, underneath uh, his name was Wallow, taught me the art and the craftsmanship behind how to break things down. So, for example, when we got a side of beef in, he wouldn't just have me break the shoulder, let's say, from the rib. He would have me go bone by bone through the vertebra so I have a deeper understanding of how those vertebras interconnected you know and um, so yeah so still today if I when I touch somebody when a person comes in the clinic at a certain level I, I go back to that time and space where I understand what the fat that like I said how that fascia works how those interconnection of the mu- insertion points of those muscles work and the you know because the an- anatomy of the animals are not is not much different than humans especially pigs pigs are not are very close to humans. And so uh, that still resonates, I guess you would say. So it became a, an added bonus to when I started practicing Chinese medicine and such.
1: For sure. I, I mean, I'm thinking here, you had a hands-on education with Butcher Ding, right? Like a master butcher. And so things like fascia, things like insertions, understanding vertebrae, it's not an idea, it's not a picture that you're working at. Working with, I should say, out of a book, it's, it's having broken down critters, knowing where to put your knife, knowing where to slice, knowing how things are held together. That's, uh, that's incredible training for doing body work. Like, go be a butcher for a while.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Go be a butcher. Yeah, it really, I mean, unfortunately nowadays, at least here in California, it's, they've, they've taken away the uh, craftsmanship from being from doing that line of work and everything is pre boxed and such. But uh, yeah, if you want to understand, you know, what cancer looks like in the body, you could tell, you know, you could tell things, this is a segue, but you could tell because part of the, my apprenticeship, I had to go to the slaughterhouses and watch them kill the animals and process the animals. I had to go to the chicken farms and watch them process. And, you know, some of those cattle, they have no idea what's going on as they're being corralled in, but some of them have the fear of God in their eyes. They know what's around the corner. And what's interesting the ones that were scared in the shop if the animal was scared at the time of slaughter the meat would be purple and we called it cutter beef and they would tell us back in the time because you have to make a profit they say you still have to sell it because it doesn't taste any different well in hindsight now i know that well the reason why that meat was purple was because of all that fear all that adrenaline those hormones that got stuck in the muscle at the time of slaughter so actually you're eating all of that you know so so I got a chance to experience, uh, you know, something that uh, turned out to help me later on. And also business-wise, too, because uh, I was a meat manager, and most people don't realize it, but it's, uh, you have to make a profit. You know, you have to make money for the shop. So it's a business. It's not that you're just cutting up these poor animals all the time. You know, it's, a, it's actual business itself.
1: Okay. So you're a kid. Drugs. I'm so fascinated by this, Chris. Like on one hand, drugs and and all this other stuff. On the other and then you've also got this part of you that's looking at the future and taking really positive action.
0: Yeah, but I didn't realize that's what I was doing. Like I don't think there was ever a conscious, a conscious point where I was like, all right, I'm doing this to make sure that I'm really secure. It was. Really, at the time, I think more out of survival because, like I said, we were kind of poor. You know, I, I know what it's like to have powdered milk and, and such for breakfast and, and uh, not having much food in the house sometimes, depending on the situation. So it was more about, like, I don't want to be stuck in place to where I'm having to continue to struggle like this.
1: Right. You want to make sure you've got good work, work that pays well, work that's reliable.
0: Yeah, because back in the day, being a butcher, you got uh, paid. Our pay scale was that of the electricians and the plumbers, you know. So, you know, it was a skilled labor. And, you know, so fast forward going into my senior year, I have my, finally had my first heart attack from a meth overdose. And, um, you know, I overheard the doctor talking to my father outside the curtain, saying that if he was any older, he would have died but because of his age. And, and also, you know, I was wrestling and stuff like that. Do did a lot of mountain bike riding. So he said, I heard him tell my father he got a hold of some bad stuff. And I thought to myself, well, I've gotten, I've gotten a hold of some bunk stuff and that's never gotten me off before, but nothing that's ever done this to me. And so being that ignorant 19 year old, a few months later, I used again and I had a, uh, another heart attack. Uh, this one was less severe, but because of the shame surrounding the first heart attack, I didn't call 911 this time. I figured I was just going to die. Uh, luckily, I didn't. Um, It was confirmed by the cardiologist that there was another incident. And he told me at the time that, unfortunately, Chris, you know, we can't see whatever damage has been done. You know, one day you just you just might not wake up, you know, and that's then really was the catalyst. Like I was like, oh, shit, like, you know, if I don't change my path, I'm going to end up dead in prison or both. And so what I did was then I put myself into Taekwondo to change my path. And um, I started competing full contact right away, as soon as I got my yellow belt. And one night before a match, accidentally kicked in the lower back and left me with a severe back injury. And uh, doctors were saying at the time, like, Chris, if you're not careful, uh, you move the wrong way, you might not walk again, ever have sex again. And uh, so it led me to another doctor who had a uh, or, uh, had a therapist working for her and he was a martial artist and he started talking to me about Qigong and well, what, I'm 19, 20 years old now. And, you know, the closest thing to Qi that I could ever get was like, cheese its and cheese whiz. I was like, you know. <laughs> so yeah, but I had other health problems uh, too. I had severe digestive problems to where I could not eat any raw salad and avocado would put me in a fetal position or vomiting two hours later. Any kind of animal fat whatsoever would do the same thing to me. And I had every test done in Western medicine, upper GI, lower GI, ultrasounds, and they couldn't figure out what was going on. Thank God they did not take out my gallbladder at that age because some of those symptoms would have been like a damp... Heat condition, you know, and...
1: Yeah, and they'll often take a gallbladder out because, well, we're not sure what's happening, but it sounds like gallbladder.
0: Sounds like gallbladder. <laughs> yeah, you don't need that organ anyways. So yeah, so then I also had severe chronic sinus issues and allergies. Not surprising with the digestive issues. Yeah, so I lived on all kinds of medications, antibiotics and such, and... And so fast forward, I have nothing to lose. And back then, nobody, at least in California, was talking about Qigong. Maybe Tai Chi a little bit, because Bruce Lee and Kung Fu and stuff like that.
1: Who is this person that uh, mentioned Qigong to you?
0: So Dr. Nancy Bergman was, she was the first person to actually say something like, you know, Chris, you should, you should look into this. And then my teacher was uh, Arnold Tayam. My first instructor was Arnold Tayam. And, um, and so I dove in deep. You know, I found it was the thing that actually transformed my sobriety, you know, and I started doing a, what would they call, he called a medical Qigong course. So I started diving into the foundations of uh, Chinese medicine and such. And anyways, about six months into doing these practices, I couldn't tell you when, but there's all of a sudden the, the realization, like you wake up one day, it's like, oh, wow, when did I stop? living on the antibiotics? When did I stop living on the Sudafed and the Tums? and stuff? So I couldn't tell you an exact pinpoint date, but it was just the realization that something had transformed and changed in my life. And so that's what catapulted me. So then I thought, man, if a simple, specific meditation and specific movement could do this to me, there must be something to the medicine. So that's how I got started with Chinese medicine and Qigong.
1: You know, I just love that piece about I woke up one day and I realized I wasn't doing these other things. They, they had fallen away. A good friend of mine likes to say, he likes to ask the question. He says, uh, you know what perfect health feels like? The answer is it feels like nothing at all. Unfettered, unobstructed. And yeah, so it just, that just kind of puts a pin in it for me. These things fell away, no longer needed. And then you noticed.
0: Yeah. You know, and, uh, And then also I had OCD as well, too. And I noticed that took a little bit longer to go away. But, you know, it's just the application of these practices. And then you start to understand. Then in hindsight, after I started studying Chinese medicine, the foundations, I realized, like, oh, I had all these digestive problems because all my pent-up anger and frustration. You know, people would tell me, they say, Chris, you're angry. I'd be like, oh, fuck you. You're angry. What are you talking about?
1: (laughs) I'm not angry. Fuck you. You're angry. Yes, I'm familiar with this.
0: Yeah, so so I realized the discord had created um, this digestive issue for me, and and then, like you said, then contributed then to the allergies and the and the sinus issues and the obsessiveness, uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. You know, and in hindsight, is you know, I'm grateful for all of it because I mean, it really. Helps you understand when a patient comes in, just what they're going to. And and I'm like an open book, like everything. I will share everything with you. Same thing that happens when a client comes in. You start to realize that uh, you know that these practices they are so simple to do, right, and so effective. But you you start to really understand how your emotional aspect of your being shows up as disease. And so, anyways, what I'm saying is that when a patient comes in, then I can relate to them at some level. You know, I could understand how. Things show up, and going back to uh, face reading, as we talked about, or a little bit here. Besides pulse and tongue, that in the Q and A, that's the number one thing I use in clinic because the face does not lie. And so, anyways. But then when I see that on a person's face, then I will open up to establish the rapport and say, "Well, this is something I went through. You know, I've been. You know, this is yeah." So I'm grateful. I guess what I'm trying to say is that I'm grateful for those opportunities because then it actually helps me when I'm working with clients one-on-one or if I'm a speaker in a talk or something to be able to connect with the audience.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's, I suspect no coincidence that the archetypical image of the healer is wounded. There's all kinds of archetypes of healers and they've usually got some kind of wounding, some kind of trouble that uh has brought them into the person that they are
0: yeah so so i think that i think that our purpose here on this planet number first and foremost is to find your life purpose but also too to recognize that that suffering that you go through is meant to awaken you you know uh, i studied the teachings of uh master hua jing ni who started yosan university down here in los angeles and and in one of his books he says that, you know a true sage is is a person who's had a lot of suffering because you can't become a true sage without going through that suffering first. And some people, that's a hard pill to swallow. And uh, we have a level one and level two Qigong teacher training program. And uh, which is also, by the way, recognized by the acupuncture board as a level one course. And I remember on a Sunday, it was a weekend workshop because we get together for the weekend workshop after the first 13 weeks. And I was talking about suffering and the whole class was up at up, up at arms, you know, when I said that word. And they're like, no, well, I don't believe you should have to, you should, life should be happy, you know, and those kinds of things. And I think they're missing the mark as far as what I was trying to say. But when I changed the 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 term from suffering to life challenges, oh, they could swallow that pill a lot better, you know? So what was funny is, is that because we were dual citizens, we said, because we were from living in the San Francisco Bay Area in San Jose and then flying back and forth to LA. And uh, so the, so that cl- class was in San Jose and then I, you know, flew down to LA and then that, that was on a Sunday. And then Tuesday, I was on a show in Beverly Hills called Good Morning La La Land. And... In Burbank, where we live, in Beverly Hills, is only 10 miles, but it took us an hour and a half to get there. So luckily all the guests that they had on the show, they're used to people being late here in Los Angeles. And so luckily I was still able to get on. But when I walked in the door, the person that was on live on, on camera was a quantum physicist by the name of William Ernst. His wife was on The Secret and such, and he played a role with that in What the Bleep Do We Know About This World. Anyways, guess what? He was talking about his new book, You know what the book was called? Um, Suffering is meant to awaken us. How to suffer in 10 easy steps.
1: No, get out. Seriously?
0: Dead serious. Suffering in 10 easy steps. It's a great book. It's a funny book. His introduction, the contract you sign with God before you come into this life form is amazing. It is so funny. And, And so they went to the commercial break and they're getting the next guest on there. And so... I was talking to him and I was telling him about the situation with my students, right? And he said, well, how would they react? I said, they're just really, you know, couldn't swallow this idea of suffering to grow. And he says, of course, because nobody wants to talk about the elephant in the room.
4: Hello, everyone. Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical, and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the Sea of Yang, the primal reservoir of Yang, which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel clearing impedance in the free flow of yang chi to body, mind, and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at Anne Cecil Sturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, Mm-hmm.
1: Let's talk about that elephant for a moment because, first of all, you said that phrase. I'm going to say it again because I want to put a pen in it. Suffering is meant to awaken us. Now, I suspect I'm not that different than most people. If I can avoid suffering, if I can like slip my way out of that, hell yeah, I'm going to try to do that. Because it's tough. And waking up is not always so easy. And certainly making changes. You know, I was going to say, making changes is not easy, but that, that's not true. Sometimes it's really difficult, and other times it's as easy as an exhale. But the idea that the world is not, made to order for us. We're born into this place and uh, we don't like it. It's like someone set up a system and I don't like the system Or it's populated full of people and I don't, like, I don't like the way they think or how in the hell am I supposed to figure out how to make money because I don't have any and I need it. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that that we can look at this life that we're, that we're born into here and be incredibly, incredibly dissatisfied and yet I suspect it's also true that it's those difficulties that, I don't know, it's like, it's like it sands off being naive. It sands off or grinds off simplistic thinking. It demands that we learn to listen to people that are very, very different than us with an actual open heart and an open mind. Not so easy to do. And... Um, You know, I think the other thing is, as a practitioner, yes, we want to help relieve other people's suffering. um, But that also means that we're exposed to their suffering every single day because we're swimming in the same soup. So I'm rambling here because I'm, I'm actually trying to get my mind around a question, but it's not... I don't think it's that I've got a question. I do have a question. The question is... How can we get more friendly with suffering? And, and I don't mean in a Pollyanna way of like, oh, I'm gonna do it in 10 easy steps and I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna get transformed and enlightened. Right? Because because so often I find with my mind, I'm gonna do A to try to get result X. Because what I want is X. So I'm gonna do A to get X. But it often doesn't work that way. So suffering. Talk to me a little bit about how we can get more friendly with it.
0: You know, I think that all spiritual traditions uh, talk about letting go of worldly attachments. And um, I think that's part of the problem with, or part of the creation of suffering, right? Is that we get too attached to certain ideologies, certain mindsets, certain physical things, certain uh, false identities or whatnot. And um and I think that letting go worldly attachments is probably the first and foremost, you know, and it doesn't mean that you can't have things and nice things and have the amount of abundancy that, that you want to have because abundancy for everybody is different. It just means that if it goes away, that it's OK, right? You're OK with it. And also was suffering too. This is a mantra that I started saying to myself in the mirror years ago because you know backpedaling when I was in high school. Like I said, I, I was even though I was doing all these drugs and stuff, I still had this uh, this mindset to be successful. And I was in a um, an advanced uh, English class, and my senior year, I was talking to my English teacher, and he's a very masculine kind of guy, and is telling him what had happened with the heart attack and stuff. And he said, "Wow." way you present yourself, you don't seem like somebody that is going through that kind of stuff, you know. And he said to me, he says, you know, what I want you to do is, he said, I want you to go home and every, every morning and every night, I want you to look yourself in the mirror. He goes in and tap your chest and says, I want you to have your hand over your heart and say, you know, I love myself and I believe in myself. And from here, you can manifest whatever it is that you wanted. And, you know, I went home and I tried it a few times and I thought it was the goofiest thing on earth, you know. Uh, it's hard to look at yourself. Hard for a lot of people to look at themselves in the mirror, especially to say, I love you to yourself, right? A lot of people think, well, you say, I love you to yourself, you're being selfish, but no, you're being just the opposite of that if you love yourself. Anyway, so one of the mantras, so later on, years later, after I started the the practice, the clinical practice, um, I started re because throughout the years, different people would say this to me, you know, like, oh, co-manifest, manifest manifest your reality. So anyways, what I would do is, is that I started to say, I choose to co-create with God that um, I have non-attachments to the outcomes of all situations. I have non-attachments. A non-attachment does not mean you don't care. does not mean that you don't still strive or still take the action steps necessary to achieve whatever goal or whatever task at hand. It just means that you're okay at whatever the outcome is. And if you could get to that place, oh my gosh, that's a place of peace, right? And understand, like I said in the beginning, I could have continued to blame my mommy and daddy for the dysfunction, but the the dysfunction in our home was because of their dysfunction growing up. Their environment was being passed down, right? And so stop casting the blame on the outside. Let's look, take a look on the inside. Once we start to look on the, on the inside more and start to take accountability for our own thoughts and actions, because throughout the years, even more suffering would happen with me, but I, I realized like, oh, shoot, I'm actually the creator of my own suffering because of my actions and my mindset. And that's what it was bringing about. So to get comfortable with suffering is not to try to purposefully eat the bitter, right? Or drink the bitter, but to understand that if you are drinking the bitter, the pig's bile, that it's there to awaken you. And you are then, you have, a, you have a couple of choices. One, stay frozen in fear, not do anything. Two, find some other way to, you know, escapism. And drinking and drugs and all that kind of stuff is one form. But stinking thinking is another form of escapism. It's another drug. How many of us are stuck in our heads? Stinking thinking is an addiction too. So, being able to have that choice, or the choice, like, you know what? I need to make some changes. And uh, and what resources do I need to reach out to, or what resources within do I need to cultivate in order to to make those changes and stop blaming others?
1: There is something incredibly empowering about seizing our own agency. That moment, I mean, I've seen a number of these in my life where I feel defeated by something. It's like, yeah, well, it's bigger than me and I'm not capable. And, you know, too bad for me. I'll declare defeat and, you know, probably blame it on something else. That's how I would handle it. And then I found that there's, there's other ways of approaching it. Like, okay, I don't know what to do about this tough situation. And sit. With not knowing. Yeah, I don't know what to do. What's that like? It's uncomfortable. But what's even more uncomfortable is declaring defeat before I even try. Like, what would I need to do to even try? And that'll take you down a whole different path. And curiously, resources will show up. Either that or I'm just better at looking for them and so I find them. But yeah, there's there's something about grabbing your agency. And, and, and what you said about non-attachment to the result. Like, okay, if I do this, quote, right thing, I'm going to get a good result, right? Like, maybe, maybe not. But if you go and you give it a try, that alone is kind of a reward.
0: For sure. You know, uh, so we have, have four kids and the oldest, the oldest is 29 and... My daughter who's 28 she was a wrestler in high school wrestled boys she wrestled boys yes you know what's funny is that or she got you know seventh, eighth grade she got beat every every match you know and then finally freestyle season one time I was coaching her and she pinned her first guy I felt sad felt bad for the boy's father across the mat and she realized because she wasn't this big burly you know she's this petite you know wrestled at 103 and um, or whatever you know and so she figured out a technique to you know if i ride the legs i could pin them you know so so anyway so she ended up being a, res, a ccs wrestling champion and stuff and and uh, going to college on a wrestling scholarship <laughs> and uh and so she wanted to go camping before um, her trip you know going to because she, she went to missouri to missouri yeah that's where i live yeah so she went to uh, lindenwood that's just down the street no kidding. What a small world. St. Charles. Just across the river, 20 minutes from here. That is so funny. Oh, my gosh. What a small world. Yeah. They have every sport imaginable at that private university.
1: They've got a big phys ed program there.
0: Yeah. Huge. Huge. Yeah. So anyway, so um, I wanted to go camping in Big Sur and and the, my wife made a... Uh, Reservation is a place called the Pinnacles, which is in the Central Valley of California. And I, she told me this. I said, man, it's going to be hot there. Anyways, we go, set up camp that night. Next day, sure enough, we can't stay in the campground. We go to the trailhead or this area where all the trailheads are to these caverns. It's under this canopy of trees to where it's cooler. And so I see that, uh, that there's this trailhead that's about a half a mile. I said, oh, the small kids, the younger kids, which were about, what, five and six at the time, I think, uh, they can make it. So we have no flashlights no water, and we're in flip-flops, right? You're prepared for trouble. <laughs> prepared for success. Yeah, and so uh, we enter into these caverns, it's pitch black. Temperature drops like 20 degrees, you know, and such, and then we finally make it our way to the top, crawl out from underneath this boulder, and then I tell my wife, I said, um, we should head back because the younger kids are going to get tired. Well, my older daughter was starting to lead the way, and she was scooting down on her butt between these two boulders. Well, my voice is saying to me, it looks like the way but it's not the way it looks like the way but it's not the way then i hear my son out of this ear say no the trail's this way and over to the left and so my wife my youngest daughter and my youngest son start to take off and then i realize that my oldest daughter's sliding off a cliff that's what's happening and so 200 feet below in the shadows of the rocks are the people looking at her falling off this cliff so I'm in flip-flops on gravel, so I realize if I go to reach over the top and grab her this way, both her and I are, are flying over, right? So I go around to brace myself. She heard them take off, and she yells, don't leave me. And at that time, that's when I threw my arm down. I grabbed her arm. Out of pure adrenaline, I was just going to pull her up. And a voice or something said to me, it said, you know, don't pull her up. She could fall. Let her get her footing, but if she doesn't get her footing, then pull her up, right? So finally, I don't know how long it took, she was able to get her footing and able to pull herself up. And she goes, wow, she goes, I almost died there. I said, yeah, that was close. Okay, so the interesting thing, the reason why I'm telling the story is because at the point in time when I realized that my daughter was falling off this cliff, sliding off this cliff, I told myself, if she falls, I'm going to fall with her because I couldn't imagine being an 18-year-old girl falling from that height by myself. Michael... When I said that to myself, I was in the most peaceful place you could ever imagine. I get to places of quietude and centeredness and stuff. No, this was a peace that I cannot describe. Like it did not matter about dying that day. It did not matter about falling, what it's gonna feel like to fall. It did not matter what it's going to feel like to hit the rocks. None of those, nothing mattered. Everything was okay. Everything was okay. I cannot describe the amount of peace that I was in. The interesting thing was, was that I was still able to execute and do everything that I said that I did. A couple of days later, what I, on pondering on this, reflecting, I realized like, oh, I had complete acceptance over the outcome. So then when I had complete acceptance and I completely let go, then that's when God showed up. That's when I was able to still maneuver, but I, I had non-attachments to dying that day. non attachment
1: And time changed, and your feelings changed, and in that moment of recognizing, oh, my daughter's falling off a cliff. Now, there's an interesting thought to go through a father's head, my daughter's falling off a cliff, and non-attachment. Of course, you love your daughter, you want her to live, you want to live. But there's that moment of non-attachment, and everything that happens inside of can you connect this for me back to Qigong? I'm not a, any kind of expert in Qigong, but it, what very tiny bit I've been exposed to, it seems that a lot of it is about a kind of awareness with internal states, not disconnected from the external world.
0: Yeah, so I think how this flows back together is that... Um... You know, lot, I've been doing this now for over 30 years. I've been in clinical practice 22 years. And some people will say, you know, oh, or the assumption is, is that my wife and I sit at home and eat vegetables and just meditate all day. That's just our life, you know, float on a cloud every once in a while. But the reality is, is that life still shows up. And so what Qigong gives you is it gives you the the tools to be able to handle and process what's going on in your day-to-day life. Now, the foundations of classical Chinese medicine is the leading cause of death and disease is negative emotions. The style of Qigong that we teach deals with those negative emotions and how it affects the different internal organ systems of the body. Uh, We see a lot of organ dysfunctions, but I'm going to say the two biggest dysfunctions that I see are spleen and liver dysfunctions. And true, poor diet could, could also create the internal internal climatic condition that could create the rise of certain emotions. But when emotions aren't processed properly, then it starts to show up as disease. So what Qigong does is that, or the style that we teach anyways, is that it gives you the tools that you can take with you anywhere to be able to deal with day-to-day stress and trauma. But more importantly, the stuff that we pushed underneath the rug, the stuff that we thought that we dealt with years ago, and going back to the face reading, uh, that's where the face reading comes in. Because if I still see that line or that feature on your face, then guess what? Somewhere in there is still that trauma. Your daddy issues still there. If I see that, you know. So qigong is, you know, is a fundamental practice, and yes, that there's a component. There's the mindfulness component right that helps to center you and quiet the mind but then there's the yang aspect of it to where we're actually doing something with our mind intent and no matter how simplistic a practice is like a white pearl meditation for example that focuses on the lower Dantian. and well what's the purpose of that number one get you out of your head back into your body but number two let's be able to uh tonify and strengthen those kidneys oh the center and balance meditation well what's the purpose of that well the purpose of that is Yes, to get you out of your head, back into your body. But more importantly, to be able to feel the internal organs of your body. So the whole idea of Qigong is, is to be able to process this stuff, but also for you to become your own superior doctor. You know, the other emperor said, you know, the, the superior doctor is one that prevents disease before disease sets in, right? So it teaches you how to become your own superior doctor to where you develop this knowingness, when something is going out of balance before it actually shows up as symptoms and signs, and the other thing about it too that's so so beautiful, going back to the Yellow Emperor, is that uh, he said, you know, to fight disease after disease sets in has set in is like digging a well after one has become thirsty, or forging one's weapon after engaging in battle. Wouldn't that be too late? So this is the idea. Because I'm telling you right now. Uh, especially here in L.A., uh, I see some beautiful, fit people, but they're beautiful and fit and still uh, dr- dying of chronic artery disease, you know, or they're having um, tremors, you know, or they're having trigeminal facial neuralgia. Or they're having ears disease show up, right? Well, let's take a look at that. Let's take a look at that. What is the stressor factors, the stressing factors that are actually showing up and contributing to that liver wind condition that's causing the trident general facial neurology. Let's take a look at that. How are you dealing with anger? Or some of the worst diseases that I see, like Lyme disease, for example, the common thread I've noticed, at least with my clients, is they don't feel anger. Somewhere in their psyche, they disconnected. And what people don't understand is that these emotions are good. They are a barometer for us to gauge what's going on in our environment. But when they're not being expressed appropriately or being suppressed or disconnected, this is what eventually shows up as disease.
1: This is one of the I think key things about Chinese medicine. That there's this sense and this understanding that the internal environment literally generates its own weather. It can generate well being, it can generate discomfort, it can generate disease. I always get a little bit a little skeptical is in there. There's a few other words that describe it. Unconvinced, unsure. So in our Western world, we often think about, oh, you got an issue with your emotions. You go to you go to therapy, you talk it out or you work it out or you know, you you do something to process that emotion separate from your physicality. And it's usually more in like a psychological realm, let's say. Sometimes relational, if you're doing say marital therapy. And it makes sense to me as a human being and like watching my own body and makes sense to me as a Chinese medicine practitioner, watching patients and the thoughts that they have and the ways that they behave affecting their, their health and their well-being. When it comes to actually connecting with that emotion and transforming it in some kind of positive way, I don't think that many of us are very skilled at that. And I think in our Chinese medicine world, we often lean on psychology, Western psychology, Western psychology as a way to deal with emotions. I'd love to get your take on how, from our Chinese medicine perspective, or Qigong, which is an aspect of it, how we can access, work with, transform, release whatever pent-up stagnation is there, maybe unlock some incredible vitality that's being hoarded by the stagnation of the suppression of the emotion.
0: Yeah, so first and foremost, it's not a belief structure. You know, pre-pandemic, you know, my wife and I, we do a lot. So besides seeing patients in clinic... Uh, We have government contracts up in Santa Clara County. We're in charge of the 33,000 employees for employee wellness department. Pre-pandemic, I would go in to give talks to trauma nurses and doctors on disease prevention. I go into the county supervisor's office, the jails, sheriff's department. And, you know, for most people, you can't even talk about chi, right? So I have to be able to approach this in a way that a physician or, you know, or someone in the jails are going to be able to connect with. And when I give those talks, there's three major takeaways I start off with and uh, that are very simple to do. One is a conscious breath, because once you take that conscious breath, because a lot of people will say, well, Chris, I can't meditate. So how am I supposed to be able to do these practices, right? And, um, and so it starts off with one conscious breath, because during that conscious breath, it's impossible for you to think of anything while you're taking that conscious breath. Then it builds up to two conscious breath. The second thing is shaking it off. Like the Taylor Swift song. I call it shaking the tree. We are the only mammal or animal on land that does not shake it off when we get angry at something. And anger and hatred right now is in resentment is probably the biggest emotions that I'm seeing. Look all over the media, social media. A lot of hate out there. It's unfortunate. But when you have those emotions that come up, instead of stuffing it, which turns into stagnation which then turns into inflammation, which then triggers that sympathetic nervous system to be in fight mode constantly. Instead, what you do is you shake it off. Now you may have to shake several times from head to toe, but guess what? Instead of stuffing that vibration that shows up as this inflammation and such, you actually will release it. All animals do it. And like a dog, for example, it doesn't matter if that dog is happy to see you or angry. That dog will shake. Two ducks get into a fight. The the fight lasts a few seconds. They swim around the pond. What is the first thing they do? They violently flap their wings. Why? Because they're conscious enough to know that they have this vibration. Now they may not know that it's anger, because if they're like us humans, they realize that it's anger. They'd hold on to it, swim around the pond, waiting for Bob to come around to pop them in the beak, right? They don't do that, they flap their wings. All animals do, humans do not. Now sometimes we could have a severe trauma, like my dad was in Vietnam and he was shot down a couple of times. And like he said, you know, one night after getting out under heavy gunfire, he was sitting at the bar having a beer and next thing you know his arm started violently shaking because his nervous system said, guess what? You can pretend like you were too cool as a 21 year old but you almost died there, you know? You almost died. So sometimes the body will just do it. But for most of us, what do we do? We sh- we suppress it.
1: In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five element and six chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jing Well points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of Qi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. I know, I'll go meditated away by sitting quietly.
0: I'll go meditated away, right, yes, yes, I will, right, I will, yes, I will sit, right.
1: I'm above those emotions, I'm above that kind of expression, namaste, bitches. (laughs) Namaste. Yeah,
0: no, yeah, yeah, it's craziness. The third one I give is the heart healing sound, which is ha, because the heart is the emperor of the body or empress of the body. As we know, the heart dictates how much of an emotion will be expressed or suppressed. So you get angry, what happens? Your heart races and attacks your liver and your gallbladder, right? So whether you're sad, you know, or angry at something or having anxiety, the healing sound is ha because as we know, one of the emotions is overexcitation or too much joy that it could actually cause a heart attack. And if you think about it, if you have a laughing attack at something, what's the first thing that you and everybody else does? You go, "ha!" Ah. Or if we lost a loved one or one of our pets had to be put to sleep, what does a person do? They sigh a lot. They yawn a lot. The heart is already trying to release this. So the way that the Qigong works is that if you make it into a mindfulness practice as to what you're feeling, connecting with the heart, connecting in this case with the color red or pink that's associated with the heart, feel that emotion, visualize what's involved, who's involved, and then as you inhale, pull the breath into the heart, and then as you exhale, lifting the chin. Imagine that circumstance leaving like a dark cloud, going several feet away from the body and deep into the ground and you do that over and over again. The cool thing about this practice too is that you can do it underneath your breath. And so if you're in public, instead of suppressing it and waiting to deal with it later like most of us do, you actually have a tool right then and there that helps to release it. No one will know what you're doing and yet instead of suppressing, you are releasing. So those are the three the big takeaways. Now how does, according with psychology and uh, the Qigong practice as well, as we know these the five major yin organs of the body, how is it different or affected by different negative emotions? And so you focus on the color, number one, associated with the organ, with the emotion, and the circumstance. So what I tell people, for example, liver. Healing sound for the liver is Shu, or whether you're doing the liver Qigong movement. You focus on the liver on the right side of the body. You imagine the color green surrounding that organ. You focus on the circumstance that you're so resentful for, towards. You feel it, who's involved. So, or like conventional therapy where they revisit certain topics and discuss it. Yes, I want you to revisit it. But unlike conventional therapy, because I had been through conventional therapy when I first got off of drugs, I was suicidal because I didn't know how to deal with life sober. I would leave the office and I'd sometimes, you know, feel worse than when I came in. So yes, I'm asking you to pick off the scab, to dig up that old trauma. Not, it's not that you're trying to re, uh, harbor on on the past, no. We want to pick off the scab, but by doing the specific healing sound conne- or the specific movement, connecting with the specific organ that's associated with it and color with that specific organ, this is how we create the release. And this is what starts to heal the organ transform the emotional trauma and then guess what whatever that inflammatory issue is starts to diminish whatever that old anger is now you may have to do this you can't just dump it all in one setting but guess what you could definitely start peeling away the layers at it and then that's how we start to regain internal harmony within our internal organ system and this is how then we are effectively releasing the emotions because as you know, you know, in the West here, we scientifically, you know, we get emotions and they start up here, we start in the brain in the, in the cortex and the brainstem and going down to the parasympathetic sympathetic nervous system, right, and then into the visceral cavity, into the viscera. No, in Chinese medicine, no, it's the organs, the emotions and the spiritual components of those organs, which then affect the brain. Different way of looking at the body.
1: So you're connecting with the emotion, much like you would in therapy, except instead of going through the whole how did it happen and how did I feel and what did they do and blah, 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 and why am I always like that and you know, whatever. You're looking at taking that emotion, connecting it to the organ. You bring in some resonances of color, you bring in some sound, you bring in some motion. What about when people have something like really powerful? They've had some sort of abuse, some sort of trauma, something something that they've been holding on to? because, Chris, they wouldn't know who they were if they didn't have it. Okay, So I, I would say there's like your garden variety troubles, and I can see how this this kind of like a qigong meditation would be helpful. What do you do when you're holding on to something? And, and that's something. Is a, a big piece of your identity, who you are. You wouldn't know who you were without it. And yet, it's hardening your arteries, and it's ruining your relationships, and it gives you migraine headaches.
0: Yeah, that's a really great question. You know, so um, anything that I recommend to the clients and clinic, it's something I do myself. So uh, these, if that is your identity. It's first identifying that that's your identity. That's what you're identifying with, right? That's the first step is what do you think you are as a result of this situation and this trauma? And even still, I would still suggest that a person goes through and do does these five organ cleansing exercises and try to focus on connecting with that as they go through it. But also too, because what is Qi? Qi is this life force energy that emanates through all things, right? And what is Gong? Gong is the skill, that's all it is. It's the skill to harness this life force energy. Gong Fu is skill with the fist. So what if also, if we take that energy and we write out what we feel we are, what if we take that, some power in that, what if we write somebody a letter, not just a nice letter, but the letter of how you would talk in your head about the person. Be as bold as, as, and raw and real as possible. There's something powerful to that. If you're saying F you and whatever, calling them names and stuff like that and in your head, you wouldn't write them a nice letter, you know? You would write, what you, to, to get it out, write it out, and then throw it away, burn it away. So I guess what I'm saying is, is that we have these Qigong practices themselves. And like I said, you don't have to believe in it. Try it out for a while.
1: I say the same thing to my patients. Like, don't take my word for it judged by the results you get.
0: Yeah, I mean, think about it. I mean, Qig- if there wasn't anything to Qigong, then it still wouldn't be around thousands of years later, you know, because anything that that is fake has a way of, of exposing itself. And, you know, you do these practices, and, and when people talk about internal alchemy, making this internal change, yes, our diet is important, our sleeping habits are important, exercise is important, those are other components that are very important as well too. But our mental emotional state how these organs are functioning and just like us as human beings on this planet that are interconnected all these organs are interconnected too they do not operate separate from each other so if you start to understand that and how that affects the psyche the emotions because i i said one piece small piece is the spiritual component so are we talking about the intellect of the spleen are we talking about the willpower of the, of the kidneys, right? Are we talking about the ethereal and the corporeal soul, right? Because those get affected as well too, right? So if, you know, you can't force somebody to transform and change, but what you can do is show them a pathway. It's a non-belief structure. And what I love about Qigong is that um, it doesn't discriminate against age, gender, religious or spiritual belief structure. It's something that's meant for all people, so I say, pulling down the heavens, imagine white light coming into your body. You could be Christ consciousness, God. It could be whatever you want it to be, right? The key is, is that you tap into something that uh, allows for this mindfulness to be able to connect. Now, true, emotional trauma can get stuck in the tissues of the body and the channels. You know, uh, We see that, for example, all cervical issues that I see, unless you're doing jiu-jitsu and someone popped your shoulder out, Um, or you got into a car accident and immediately from the car accident, you had a shoulder neck issue, not a week later, week later, that's emotional response from the car accident. You see the connection. So all the, all the emotional stuff like that affects, affects the heart. So for example, so going back to when I first met Mike from Nickelback, and the only reason why I bring up his name is because, um, he did a testimonial for me on YouTube and, um, when he flew in, to, uh, so some of our folks in Chicago said, you know, you have to go out and see Chris Shelter, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, he had cervical arthritis in his, in his neck, and uh, you can see the, the arthritis on the x-ray. So he flew in, and uh, so I said, to him, I said to Mike, I said, uh, okay, two years ago, before the pain showed up, I said, what was going on in your life? And he paused and thought about it, and he says what most people say, oh, I think the way that I slept, my pillow... You know, he goes, um, I think, oh, no, I think the stress of being on tour. uh, I think the way that I hold my guitar on stage. And then he paused and he thought about it. And he said, you know what? Actually, two weeks before this showed up, what happened is is that my horse died. So his horse died. He took care of business like all of us did, went back on tour. And then one day he woke up and his body said, okay, you pretend like that didn't hurt you, but it did. So first it starts off, it shows up as channel pathology. And then, because of the deficiency of the channel pathology, then it shows up as a deterioration in the arthritis. Now, he's really a funny guy because he said on that interview for the TV show Celebrity Sweat, he said that I got rid of his arthritis in 30 minutes. Well, what I actually did was I helped to facilitate his body by clearing out the channel pathology in order for then, for the body, for his DNA to heal itself, because our DNA wants to be healthy. The only thing that happens is it gets stuck and in this case, when we see these types of cervical issues, it's emotions that are stuck. So, this is what creates the blockage.
1: Okay. In his case, it was grief. His horse died. Are there specific emotions that tend to get stuck in the cervicals, or is it just emotions in general?
0: No, it's specific. Great question. Yeah. Yeah, because as we know, how many of the cha- all the channels that run from the hands or from the face down into the hands, right, are directly or indirectly connected to the heart. Triple burner, pericardium, heart, large, small intestine, right? So, and actually to clear this out, because I have a new book that's coming out this year on how to fix back problems yourself and from the cervical all the way down. And I talk about this, what we do is I work, we work on, large intestine 17 and 18 to release it and then I have a certain tini- technique that I developed that actually will release it. So it's not just the grief, but if you got in a fight with your spouse and suppressed it, that will trigger this as well too. One of your kids isn't doing good at school, you know? That's will you know trigger this as well too. So so we look at again this heart is the emperor or empress of the body. And so because of the close relationship of the heart and the lungs. This is why the large intestine meridian, or at least for me anyways, is so effective in helping to clear these conditions out. And so, so yeah, so it's not just the grief. It's some kind of upset, you know, where you were upset at somebody or something. And then you go to bed, you wake up the next morning, you're like, oh, I can't move my neck. And think, oh, man, I need to get a new pillow. I need to get a new mattress. Or that damn dog just pulled me too hard and, you know, this is what caused it. Or my weight trainer. And that's the other thing, too, you have to look at, too. Sure, a weight trainer can definitely injure their client. But what if there's a predisposed disposition that all of a sudden then they do some kind of movement or something like that? And um, it creates, it shows up as frozen shoulder or froze up as a... Uh, A neck pain,
1: some kind of suppressed, stagnant emotion. Strong emotion, suppressed. Is that a fair assessment?
0: I would say yes. Like, yeah, like even just an argument with your wife or your spouse, significant other. Right. Just pay attention. So what I ask people to do is, well, pay attention to the next time that that shows up. You know, and then also too. Let's say they had a trauma. Let's say they're playing football and they speared somebody right and had a compression in severe injury from that from spearing and let's say it healed but then years later all of a sudden it showed up again they'll say well my physician said it's because of that injury from 40, 30 or 40 years ago sure there could be a weakness or deficiency still there but i also would ask well what is going on in your life
1: i've got a patient right now who started having neck pain out of the blue and her neck's in pretty good shape actually and the side, and it like radiates down into the, uh, into the rhomboid muscles in the back. This person experiences tremendous pain on the right side. When I put my hands on it, the right side feels great. The left side has a knot the size of a duck egg. And, uh, and now I'm wondering if there's something, pretty easygoing person, but... Maybe there's something in there. I'll I'll have to
0: gently check. Gently check. Ask, you know, so what's been going on at work? What's been going on at home? How are your relationships? You know, this is part of the interrogation, right? You know, and, uh, and in hindsight, they may make the connection. You know, they may not make it right away because it's hard to believe that or hard for us to digest because we're taught growing up, at least when I was growing up. Nowadays, kids are taught... That they're not supposed to be challenged at least here in california um they're not supposed to be challenged but at least when i was growing up you know they thought you know just suck it up you know and stuff so asking those questions of uh what has uh what has been going on and uh because it doesn't make sense you know it for me in my in my head it doesn't make sense you know and go back to the face reading and uh you know one of the case studies i like to sh- share that i had this gal she was 40 years old a personal trainer and she came in with uh, with neck issues. Oh no, with uh, back issues. She came in with lower lumbar issues, and and so on the on the intake because uh, I type my SOAP notes as I'm um, doing the intake with the client. Um, I said to her from reading her face, I said, "Okay, well, we'll fix your low back, but we had to deal with those issues the the resentment that you have towards men." She goes, "Oh, I dealt with that years ago." I'm like, "All right, whatever." So I just put it in her notes. You know?
1: Patient denies having problems with things long ago. <laughs>
0: So we fixed the the back And back issues, by the way, are really simple to fix uh, For the most part And so she would come in if she had a flu bug Or something else, you know And then about a year later, she came in Something she said, something I saw on her tongue And something I saw on her face I said, I need you to make an appointment with your primary Physician, I want your arteries Tested, she goes, you're crazy She goes, look at me She (laughs) goes, I have almost 0% body fat I exercise 1-2 to hours every day, I eat healthy And I said, well, it's up to you what you do with it. I'm just going to put it in your notes, but legally I have to put this out there because I'm seeing this. Uh, Two weeks later, she came in the office. It was sitting in my lobby in tears. And she said, I want to thank you for saving my life. Both my carotid arteries are 70% blocked. So she's eating right and she's exercising. What was the one part she was missing? And that was that old resentment. Now, what's interesting about her is, is that her physician... And I worked together he didn't put her on any statins or anything Uh, we changed her diet according to Chinese nutrition gave some traditional herbal formulas and these specific qigong practices and in one year her arteries were clear it's not magic
1: it's supposed to be impossible to reverse that kind of uh occlusion
0: no no it's not but you know but the our emotional environments really it's something you know it's really important to be able to um, have a tool to be able to address, you know, the things that go on in our lives. And um, and Qigong isn't the only method, but it is definitely a powerful method in which somebody could take back control over their own health care and over their own psychological state.
1: Well, I'm with you, my friend, that the state of our nervous system as it's regulated often through the memories and emotions that we have, is uh, our emotions are completely intertwined with our physiology. There's just no way to untangle that. Um, But there are ways to regulate it. And so I really appreciate this conversation today. I feel like I've got a ton more questions about it. Maybe we'll come back another time. Uh, But... Because we need to wind this down, could you just tell us briefly, if people are interested in the kind of work that you're doing here, uh, where they could find you?
0: Okay, yeah, thank you for this opportunity. So Chris Shelton Qigong is my handle for uh, YouTube. We have the 30 Days of Qigong up there for free. I release a video almost every week on some health-related topic and how to remedy it yourself. So Instagram, Facebook is... um, Chris Shelton Qigong, and that's spelled Q I G O N G, not C-H-I-G-O-N-G. Uh, you can go to SheltonQigong.com is the website. TikTok is Chris underscore Shelton underscore Qigong.
1: Oh my god, you're all over the place.
0: My gosh. Yeah.
1: You're like Chi. you're everywhere. Chi, <laughs>
0: <Yeah>, right. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So we and also like we have a Chi club also. So if you want to give these practices to your clients or yourself. Uh, we have a live Qi Club that we started during the pandemic. Uh, it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, from eight to eight thirty a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And what's cool about the Qi Club is that we have people members from all around the world, over two hundred members. And if you don't, if you can't watch it live with us on Zoom, then you have the recordings for up up to a week. If you want to dive deeper into the Qigong practices, we do have a Level One and Level Two Qigong Teacher Training Program. And that program, Level 1, the next one starts in June. And 13 weeks, it's interactive. And at the end of the 13 weeks, uh, we meet live in person here in Los Angeles or you join us on Zoom. We call it Qigong Teacher Training Program, but really it's for anybody that wants to dive deeper into themselves because that's how the course is designed. It's designed for you to dive deeper and to really understand.
1: I'll make sure that's on the show notes page, too, so folks don't have to remember that. Chris, thank you. For your time today, I am uh, I- I'm appreciative of where this conversation's gone, and and I very much appreciate your uh, transparency in the uh, the road that you took to get here, and all the goodness that it's brought you, and and how you're sharing that with the rest of the community and the rest of the world. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, no, thank you again for this opportunity, and um, I'm really excited. Besides my second book coming out this year. My new film is going to be hitting the film festivals this year called The Healer's Journey. And um, it's a pretty inspirational short. Uh, We're hoping it will be picked up as a series. And again, it's to show the world that you don't have to live with disease and chronic pain and emotional pain. You can transform it. You just need to be taught how how the body functions. So, yeah. So thank you again.
1: That's our job, man.
0: Yeah, this, is, this has been fun. So I would love to come back on if you ever want to dive deeper into, into the subject.
1: We just might have to do that. All right, take care for now.
0: All right, Chia.
1: You know, the medicine of East Asia that has somehow flown down to us has some pretty remarkable capacity and perspective. But the medicine alone doesn't do much. It requires the attentive heart and mind of a person who seeks to understand it so they can make a difference in the corner of the world where they happen to find themselves. We have tools that allow us to make a difference. And the possibilities for making a difference, that's only limited by your imagination. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation,